You've healed quickly, considering the state you arrived in. Why am I here? If you think this is punishment for shooting your commanding officer, you're incorrect. I actually think that shows quite a bit of initiative. No, no, you are here because I intend to give you a clean slate. And all you have to do in exchange is tell me how to find Clone Force 99. They're in possession of something I need. The kid. <laughs> Very good. You're wasting your time. They'll never turn her over. They don't have a choice. She is a clone. And therefore Imperial property. Help me locate your former squad. And you will have your freedom. Once again, Bucketheads, Maeve Artigar. Welcome to the 198th Clone Trooper Liberating episode of MandoVision. Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking out this small, independent Star Wars podcast. Make sure you're following us on social media, at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show at MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share this show with all the Mandalorians in your covert well, as promised, I am back, but things are a little bit different, uh, and this is a podcast, you know, so it's audio only, but let me paint a picture for you, because uh, we haven't done one of these in a while, and this is MandoVision After Dark, and what does that mean? Does it mean it's sexier than ever? No, it just means that it's really, really late at night. As I record this, it is uh, 12.30 in the morning <laughs> and so yeah the energy level is a bit more subdued a bit more uh, uh, like hushed so that I don't disturb sleeping members of my family <laughs> so uh, that's what Man of Vision After Dark is currently like but I could not return to discuss this latest installment of Star Wars The Bad Batch with you all as promised and, you know, let me make a little confession here, because, again, it's after dark, so why not uh, pull back the curtain and reveal something about the podcast? Um, if 
if I had my, my druthers and um, a, a computer that worked more reliably, <laughs> there's a very good chance that Mandovision After Dark would be something I do on YouTube. <laughs> but sort of like the sporadicness of my schedule coupled with uh, some uh, unreliable technology that I use to make these shows <laughs> has, has sort of put a damper on uh, pursuing any sort of uh, YouTube opportunities at this particular moment in time. But yeah, I think Mandovision would be a show that I would go on YouTube live and just kind of shoot from the hip, be a little off cuff. Maybe we'd figure out a way to get uh, some audience participation on the show uh, and, and just kind of go nuts with things. But that's, 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 that's a dream. I'm not going to rule it out. Maybe the day will come that it, that it happens and we can bring that dream into reality. Uh, but for now, Mandavision After Dark is merely me recording really, really late at night and, and talking in a more subdued tone so as not to wake. Uh, um, I was going to make a reference that I shouldn't make. I'm not going to say what I was going to say. That's a trap. Like Admiral Akbar, it's a trap. Don't say it. Don't say who's sleeping in the next room. <laughs> Compare them to some sort of mythological Star Wars creature. Don't do it. Not good advice. All right. So let's just go ahead and kind of dive in to this episode. We are, of course, here to talk about Star Wars The Bad Batch. Season 2, episode 14, Tipping Point. Which means we have two episodes to go before the season finale. Uh, and this episode really does put a lot of things in play, set a lot of things up in motion. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about a little theory of mine, but let's go ahead and get the particulars of the episode out of the way. This episode, Tipping Point, is written by Jennifer Corbett and Matt Mishnovitz, directed by Saul Ruiz, and, uh, you know, a great voice cast this week, of course, Steve Bradley Baker, as the Bad Batch, the Clone Troopers, Fireball, Gregor, Hauser, Nemec, those are our, <laughs> all our clones in this one, Michelle Ang as Omega, Ben Diskin, he makes, he makes a return appearance. Jimmy Simpson returns to Dr. Royce Hemlock. Helen Sadler is Dr. Scalder. Keisha Castle-Hughes as Emery Carr. Stephen Stanton is Governor Tarkin. Andy Allo is Leanna Hazard. Jennifer Hale is Senator Tucci. Mari Williams as Shep Hazard. And uh, Nashir Dalal returns to voice a couple stormtroopers in this episode. So kind of nice to see him still getting some work on the show as well. This week's plot... New information has our heroes taking on a dangerous mission. So one of the things I wanted to talk about with this episode, and again, this is not a knock on the episode. I think it's a really, really good episode of the show. I really like it. It really sets the table for what I think will be two uh, intense, you know, possibly fast-paced, breakneck speed episodes of Star Wars The Bad Batch. But what I wanted to talk to you about, and, and you know, let me know what you all think, I think the last two episodes of the show, episode 12, The Outpost, and episode 13, Pabu, um, should have been played in, in different order. I think Pabu should have been the 12th episode of the show. Meanwhile, The Outpost would be episode 13 and would sort of lead in to this episode. I think that makes a little bit more sense in, uh, in, in, in sort of a linear fashion of, of the timeline. And, and why do I say that? Uh, because... We get the impression that uh, Crosshair has been on Wayland at Mount Tantus, uh, you know, for maybe a matter of days, maybe maybe a matter of a few, a week, maybe two, something along those lines. 
in this episode, in Tipping Point, when we cut back to the batch, hanging out on Pabu, uh, they've, they've already helped to rebuild the lower sections of the city that were wiped out in, in that uh, massive tidal wave, that tsunami-esque event they, they uh, helped the, the citizens deal with on last week's episode. And that feels like it's months um, between episodes. So I don't know. I'm curious if there was a decision made if originally Pabu was supposed to be episode 12 and they decided they wanted to get back to Crosshair for a little bit and, and, and they flipped the order around. But I think in, in, like I said, in a linear fashion, it makes more sense for those in continuity to, to be sort of reversed, right? Um, now again, Star Wars The Clone Wars is, is a show that, that told stories non-linearly for, for quite some time in its run. So it's not out of the, out of the blue for something like that to happen. Um, where where maybe every episode doesn't quite sync up with the previous ones, or you, you know what I mean by when I say that. So yeah, in my mind, the head canon in the the head timeline that I have in my head is Pabu first, the outpost next, and then on to tipping point. Agree? Disagree? Thoughts? I don't know. But let's go ahead get into the episode proper. We got a lot to talk about uh, because. This is an episode that has some fun stuff in it. Um, aside from what's on the screen, there's just some fun references that I want to talk about because, well, that's what we do in this podcast, and that's why you're here. So you know what time it is. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. I don't know how long we were in that prison. I went in with eight of my men. Only three survived. All other prisoners were clones, too. For what crime were you all being detained? Dissidents. Questioning and disobeying Imperial orders. They were being shuttled off-world when we intercepted them. Where were you being taken? I don't know. But other groups of clones were transferred before us some rotations ago. And they... They never came back. We must find out where that ship was headed. I recovered a portion of the data logs. It's heavily encrypted, but I know someone who can crack it. Go. I'll take care of things here and see what else I can find out. Thank you, Senator. Be careful, Echo. So this episode opens on something of a new location, something we've not seen before in canon, only been referenced to this point in the new continuity, the planet Balmora. Uh, but for old people like me, big-time Star Wars fans from back in the day, uh, Balmora has a rich history in the old Expanded Universe canon. Uh, a lot of it has, has sort of carried over. Uh, the fact that Balmora is a big-time manufacturing planet. Uh, it is the home of the all-terrain armored transports uh, and various other devices or weapons of the Imperial military. It also has a connection to, uh, at least in the old canon, they, the, the Balmora manufacturing uh, also created the B-1 battle droids. I'm not quite sure if that carried through to the new canon or not. Um, but, again, like if you're an old fan like me, you remember like the first appearance of Balmora's in, in Star Wars Dark Empire 2 from Dark Horse Comics, uh, where we get to see the kind of Imperial War Machines that they're whipping up for, for the resurrected Emperor in that story. Uh, and, you know, if you're a, a gamer, you know, if you played along with Star Wars... Uh, um, I'm sorry, the Knights of the Old Republic series, you would uh, have had several campaigns taking place on Balmora back in the day. Uh, so it's it's a planet with a, with a really rich history. 
that in the new canon we hadn't seen just yet. So this is its kind of first appearance on the show. Uh, it was referenced uh, back, I think it was back in season one of Star Wars The Clone Wars. It might have been actually even the first uh, episodes or two, the, the Shadow of Malevolence episodes. Uh, but now we get to see it. And we see a familiar clone, one of three being escorted by the new stormtroopers to a shuttle to be transported off-planet. Uh, and we also meet a new Imperial bootlicker. <laughs> That's just what I want to call him. Uh, we are introduced to Captain Pierce, who is probably like uh, some of the other Imperials we've met so far this season, probably not a fan of clones, uh, is very much into his appearance, the tidying up his uh, b badge insignias and all that good stuff. And again, primary thing reason for not liking him he looks like an aristocratic snob uh, and he conducts himself in such a way uh, <laughs> but it's nice to kind of catch up with clone trooper hauser who we haven't seen since season one of the bad batch when he was back on ryloth and and started began questioning what the heck was going on uh, with the empire taking things over so they get onto their shuttle they depart balmora and once they're in orbit they come under attack from another ship and we find out very, very quickly, and if you are like me, you were sort of expecting something like this in this episode of the show. But we catch up with Echo, Gregor, Nemec, and the new clone trooper, Fireball, uh, as they begin an attack to liberate these clones, rescue them from whatever horrible fate the Empire now has in store for the remaining uh, clone troopers in, in Imperial service, it would seem to be. So... Uh, it, it's it's fast-paced, it's action-oriented, it's 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 full of uh, clever tactics, maneuvers, the the way they board the Imperial uh, Gazanti cruiser by by using some deception. You know, the main ship attaches on. They think that's where the boarding party's coming through, but there's actually like like a secondary leech ship that attaches to another area of the ship, and that's where Echo and his team burst through after they've caused a, a bit of a distraction, and. From there, the team splits up. Uh, Fireball goes to liberate Hauser and the other clones that are that are being transported, uh, while while Echo and Nemec storm the bridge so that they can recover any data that's in the system. Now, Captain Pierce initially thinks that he's going to be able to repel these borders, no problem at all, not realizing that he's messing with top-notch clone troopers here, who are who, who quickly outmatch the the new stormtroopers who don't have. Uh, nearly the experience that these clones do. And uh, in, in, he even has an Imperial Commando on his side. Uh, but there, there's no match. He has him uh, erasing data instead of actually defending the bridge. So poor choice of tactics on uh, Captain Pierce's part. So as they gain access to the bridge, you know, I believe it is Nemec that holds the blaster to Captain Pierce and says, well, if you're erasing all that data, we're just going to have to get that information out of you, buddy. Uh, and that is when Captain Pierce breaks out the um, well, suicide shocker, right? So he doesn't have to talk. He can't get captured and reveal information. And, and that should be the first clue that he will be, that Captain Pierce is, is working on something aside from just a standard prisoner trans transport, right? Like there's something else going on here. If he's taking a suicide shocker to to not divulge vital information. Um, and again, I think just like we probably expected Echo to, to stage rescue of clones at some point on the show, 
it makes a ton of sense that Captain Pierce and these clones are going to Wayland to Mount Tantus. So again, this is the episode where we're table setting here. We're bringing all of our storylines together for the the, the epic. <laughs> I don't know. We'll go with epic, but a, a big time two final two episodes of the season. I shouldn't say two. I was about to say two parter. I don't know if it's a two parter. Probably is, but. <laughs> Again, what's going to be, I think, a pretty intense season finale to Star Wars The Bad Batch. So we're putting all these things into place here. Uh, Imperial reinforcements arrive before Echo can recover the, the data that they were attempting to erase. Uh, but he gets a partial. He gets a little bit of it. And, and that's going to come in handy. But they got to get off the ship quickly because uh, Imperial reinforcements are there. And it's time to go. Got to split. And there's some fancy maneuvering that takes place, and eventually our heroes are able to launch into hyperspace and make their getaway with Hauser and his two friends and some data that will prove vitally important very, very shortly. So now is when the episode cuts to Wayland to Mount Tantus from the clip that we played where Dr. Royce Hemlock makes his presence known to Crosshair, who's still at the facility, recovering, and now being asked very pointed questions about Clone Force 99 because uh, Hemlock is under the impression that he can point his forces in the right direction to recover Omega. Remember, Hemlock needs Omega to get the cooperation of Nala Se, who still has vital information about the cloning program that he needs to move forward with whatever project he's working on, which I would assume is cloning technology to help Emperor Palpatine down the road but maybe there's there's more going on. We'll find out soon enough, I would imagine. Uh, but Crosshair is naturally resistant at this point. I think Crosshair's experience in the Outpost episode with Nolan um, has affected him deeply as far as his trust of the Empire goes. I don't think he... Or he knows that they, have, they don't have the best interest in clones at heart and that something dark is coming for them. And so I think that makes Crosshair naturally resistant to helping him. He no longer subscribes to the you know good soldiers follow orders uh, creed any longer. And again, as he was in transport from his cell to this uh, interrogation room, he saw other clones being detained as well. So there's something going on here, and I think Crosshair is trying to put the pieces together of just just what is happening in this facility and you know he doesn't have the answers just yet but he knows it's not good and that the empire cannot be trusted to have the best interest of clones at heart any longer so he refuses he says he can't help he doesn't know where they are he doesn't know how to find them and hemlock doesn't believe him <laughs> but hemlock is then interrupted just as an interrogator droid comes in to begin the process of extracting information from Crosshair. So Hemlock's interrupted uh, by Scalder and informed that one of their transports was attacked en route from Balmora. So there's our connection to the opening sequence with Echo and his team liberating Hauser. Um, and listen, I don't. I think we're going to get some answers, so I don't know if I want to play the speculation game on what exactly is Hemlock doing with the clones. I think we'll find out soon enough. So let's 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 kind of keep that one. We'll put a pin in that. Discuss it later. But Hemlock leaving the room is something of a 
mistake. <laughs> but we'll talk about that part momentarily. Because uh, as Hemlock leaves the ruins, we cut back to Coruscant. Uh, and we find ourselves in, uh, in, in, in Trace Martez's garage. You know, a very familiar locale that's now being used uh, as, as a bit of a safe haven for some covert operations that, that Senator Tucci's overseeing, right? She's helping the clones as best she can. Uh, she's sort of, uh, it, w- it would seem to be funding or, or at least directing <laughs> funds to Echo and his, and his team to continue rescuing clones uh, from whatever dark fate the Empire has in store for them. Uh, so, you know, we get a bit of a rundown from Hauser, how long he'd been, he'd been at the facility, clones all around disappearing, not coming back to their cells, being transported somewhere for, for who knows what nefarious purpose. Uh, but they don't know where. Nobody seems to know where they are going. Uh, Echo thinks he has some data that he recovered from the ship, but it's heavily encrypted. He can't break it, but he knows who can. And, of course, Senator Tucci agrees that you need to go get this information. We need to find out where the Empire is taking these clones to. Uh, and I think we all know who he's going to turn to to break that code. Uh, I am, of course, referring to Tech of Clone Force 99. Uh, again, so we find out very quickly that we're going to go back to Clone Force 99. That, that was my first indication that, oh, because you, you may remember last week, I sort of speculated maybe we'll take an episode off from hanging out with Clone Force 99 because they're on Pabu. Uh, and again, another reason why I think the episode should have been played in a different order, with Pabu played first and then the outpost. But that's just my personal opinion, and I'm, I am curious to see if you agree with me on that at all, or or think I'm absolutely bonkers. So, in case you're you know you're not paying attention, this is an episode with a lot going on, and we cut back and forth a lot. So, now we go back <laughs> to Mount Tantus, uh, where we see Crosshair's escape attempt. Uh, a, a negligent stormtrooper leaves his blaster uh, just on a table near Crosshair's hands while he attempts to restrain him uh, from, for further interrogation, right? Well, Crosshair grabs that blaster and has no qualms uh, uh, eliminating these stormtroopers. Uh, he does not kill uh, Scientist Carr, though, because um, he wants her access card. Because uh, Crosser's got a bit of a plan, even in his weakened state after the interrogation. He's got an idea, and he doesn't kill her after he takes the card. He merely stuns her. Uh, and I don't know if that is because uh, when he first arrived, she showed some, some you know, compassion towards him and his uh, state of being, his health. Uh, so I'm not quite sure on that. We'll see, though. And I think Carr, by the end of this episode... Definitely takes note of the fact that he stunned her and didn't kill her like he did those two stormtroopers. Uh, so our weakened crosshair is able to e- extract himself from that torture chamber. Uh, and he makes his way through the corridors, gets into it with some stormtroopers that he's still able to dispatch pretty easily. Um, and he eventually makes his way to a, a terminal, right? And he has car's access code. So he wants to send a transmission through the satellite. And the, all he gets off uh, is he says the words Plan 88. Uh, his signal is detected, the room is sealed, everything's turned off, and, and this uh, green toxin fills the room. Uh, Hemlock enters with, with no sort of breathing device over him whatsoever, and he informs Crosshair that, well, uh, he developed this toxin, and he has also 
develop an immunity to it. Uh, this renders crosshair not <laughs> awake, <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. Now we cut to Pabu, right? Uh, and it's, again, Pabu seems like it's rebuilt itself pretty nicely. Another reason why I think that there's, there's more time has taken place since we last were on Pabu in last week's episode. They've rebuilt a lot of the, the, the lower city structure that was wiped out by the tsunami. But again, let's let's not nitpick it. But we but we see that the Bad Batch, that the other members of Clone Force ninety nine, uh, have uh, really made a home on Pabu. They really integrated themselves. They they have been uh, extremely helpful in in, in rebuilding and and uh, reinforcing the seawall and all these other aspects of the day-to-day life on Pabu, and they seem to be enjoying themselves being there. Even though Hunter has, has said that, that putting down roots isn't a soldier's way, and, you know, he's, he's pointedly asked, is, is, are you still even a soldier? Is, is that what you even want to do? Uh, it's at this point that we also get to see that Omega is taking flying lessons from Tech. Uh, it's a fun little sequence with her pulling all kinds of maneuvers. Uh, Tech's reaction to these maneuvers is amusing to say the least uh and this is when echo also arrives on scene uh because he needs the help of tech to break the codes now there's a lot of really interesting stuff um in this sequence and i'm trying to think well i'll tell you what it's actually in the next sequence uh, because now we cut back actually to wayland with dr hemlock reassuring Governor Tarkin that despite the uh, loss of the ship, that security measures are in place, Wayland's location will not be revealed in any way, that the security protocols that Hemlock has put in place are effective and working. There is, Tarkin's concerned, let's just put it that way, and they want to figure out where the leak came from. So Tarkin begins to mention that he feels that the remaining clones in the army are becoming dissidents, right? They're not following orders, they're questioning things, and they are probably leaking information to other clones that are running these rescue operations. Uh, Hemlock has an interesting comment, observation about that. You know, he warns Tarkin that, you know, eliminating dissident clones it will not root out the problem, uh, and that he has other ways dealing with them and that's when Tarkin's like "Ooh, well let me know about that we got this upcoming summit going on uh, and that sounds like a great place for a season finale to take place at some kind of fancy imperial summit where uh, clone force 99 a bunch of liberated clones might have to bring down the uh the hammer on on some some imperial folk but we'll see right who knows <laughs> so now we cut back to pabu where hunter and echo have a really nice conversation uh, i urge you to check that out uh, about like you know how much you know when will it be enough for Echo helping clones you know it it it's and you know Hunter warns Echo because it's the Empire is powerful and Echo can't win it by himself so when will it be enough when will he have done enough uh, and before we really get to get an answer from Echo before Echo can you know possibly reconsider that's when Tech summons them back to the ship because he has decrypted the code so let's go ahead and get that vital set of information. The Imperial Transport Echo Hijacked was assigned to the Advanced Science Division. Never heard of it. 
That is because it is a clandestine operation. There are no records on its location or its purpose. All I could find on it was the chief scientist in charge, Dr. Royce Hamlock, an officer expelled from the Republic Science Corps due to his unauthorized and unorthodox experiments. Why were they sending clone prisoners to him? I do not know, but it gets worse. Previous transfer records recovered from the ship's logs list other clone prisoners detained by the Advanced Science Division. And Crosshair is one of them. Okay, dramatic pause. <laughs> because there's a, that's a lot of information to, to uh, um, unpack right there. Uh, again, this whole Advanced Science Division, Hemlock's role in it. Um, we haven't talked about Hemlock in his, I believe it is his left hand. What's going on there? Does he have a droid hand, a la Luke Skywalker style? Um, what happened? Was that cut off as punishment for something? Is it something went horribly wrong with one of his experiments? Or uh, perhaps he has something really cool like Wolverine claws underneath that glove. I don't know. I'm speculating. Ooh, lightsaber fingers. That would be really weird. But but a lot of questions about this character. You know, we're getting a little, some background. What are these unauthorized, un, uh, unorthodox experiments that he got in trouble for conducting uh, with the Republic? I have a lot of questions, but let's hear the rest of the sequence. You mean Crosshair turned on the Empire? How sure are you about this? Very. After discovering his clone number on the transfer register, I checked our old comm channels and found a recent distress message sent from Crosshair's old code. What did it say? Plan 88. The Seeker. We are being targeted. I believe he is warning us. Or it's a trap. Like he set for us before. Huh. How do we find out? Ominous, ominous, <laughs> but really intense. Really setting it forward, and, you know, the possibility of crosshair turning of them, you know, potentially getting getting the, their brother back. Uh, I think it's it's tempting to Hunter, and he, but he has to weigh the risk and the reward on here. You know, especially because it's only a matter of time before they figure out that they want Omega. That Omega is what Hemlock is after. And if they go and try and figure out where Crosshair is being held, what the location is, you know, will they try to spring, try to spring him, uh, attempt a rescue, and potentially bring Omega right where uh, she shouldn't be on Wayland in the grasps, you know, near the fingers of Dr. Royce Hemlock himself. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot to consider here, a lot to ponder. Again, they still don't seem to know the location of the base, but they now know a lot more about who they're going up against. Um, now to kind of close out the episode, we cut back to T Mount Tantus, where uh, Dr. Hemlock is about to have a little chat with a now-restrained Echo... I'm sorry, now-restrained Crosshair. Uh, and... It's, uh, well, this is going to get bad for Crosshair. But again, the message is out, and we know that the clones have gotten it. So let's go ahead and, and hear Hemlock once more discuss 
<laughs> options with Crosshair. If your escape attempt didn't clue you in, the only chance you have of leaving this facility is if I allow it. Perhaps now you'd like to reconsider my offer. Why suffer more? All I need is the young clone. She means nothing to you. Help me, and you'll have your freedom. his injection level this time. Let's see how long until you break. Intense sounding pain happening there as Kevin Kinder's music ramps up, and we really, um, <laughs> really feel for Crosshair's interrogation as that as that interrogation droid uh, is now ramping things up. There's a couple of really interesting cuts to to uh, the scientist's car as she's observing this situation, and and as I sort of speculated earlier. I sort of wonder if it hasn't gone unnoticed by her that Crosshair didn't kill her, even though he had ample opportunity to do so. Uh, so I wonder if that will garner some sort of sympathy on her part for what he's going through right now, uh, or if she's almost maybe as perverse as Dr. Hemlock seems to be uh, in, in, in taking some sort of joy from the suffering of this clone trooper. Um, Again, you know, there's a, a fair amount of speculation, but I think we're really setting the table nicely for the next two episodes to close out the second season of Star Wars, The Bad Batch. Uh, things are really, really ramping up. You know, I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of the criticism of the show is, you know, it's a side mission. They're, they're not following the, the mythology. They're not plunging into these things. Well, guess what? It's all going to pay off. Everything has been building towards this. Everything's been moving the characters in, a, in the trajectory they need to go. You know, we've been talking about it for a while, them eventually breaking away from Sid. It happens, all right? You know, we talked about Echo getting back and rescuing clones. And what did we just see in this episode? You know, these things are all paying off. It's, it's, it's just, we just have to be patient. I always urge patience. Uh, and I think we're going to get two really, really intense episodes to close out this season. So let's stay tuned for all the goodness. Uh, I give this episode, this is eight buckets. It could be easily be eight and a half uh, because as I watched it uh, for a second time, I think I was even more impressed by some of the subtle things happening in the story, some of the subtle bits of dialogue uh, between you know Hunter and Echo and then uh, just the, the sort of big revelations about Hemlock, uh, what's going on, the, the notion that Crosshair has turned against the Empire. There's, there's a lot of really interesting things in here and, and Crosshair's 
uh, escape attempt, the way he handles those stormtroopers, and again, the opening of the episode, the great rescue uh, led by Echo on, for Hauser. Great, great stuff. And then cutting to Senator Tucci. And I love that Senator Tucci uh, is becoming a big prominent member um, in, the, in this time. Like instead, instead of going to a, a member of the Senate that we're more familiar with, like Mon Mothma or Bail Organa, uh, why not continue to develop Senator Tucci into this strong ally for the clones uh, in, in this post-Republic galaxy, a.k.a. the Empire? So really, really dig that. A uh, lot of good stuff here. And um, yeah, don't sleep on the show. You're going to miss out on two really great episodes. I'm willing to bet all the money, all the tea in China. Do people still say that? Probably not. But <laughs> good, good stuff, Eight Buckets. It's awesome, and I can't wait to see what happens next. Good times. Well, maybe not good times. Good times for us as an audience, but maybe not good times for Clone Force 99. I guess we're going to find out. All right, so let's close out this episode of uh, MandoVision After Dark. Uh, my name is Tom, Nargai Tom. Thank you for checking out the Small Independent Star Wars podcast. I truly appreciate all the support and kindness that you all have shown me. Reach out to us on social media. We're at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. Email the show, MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share the show with all the Mandalorians in your covert. Another great way to support the show, five-star reviews on whatever platform that you listen to that does reviews for podcasts. They really help independent shows like us stand out, not get lost in the shuffle. So thank you in advance for doing that. Excellent stuff. We appreciate it. All right, Buckethead Nation. Let's call it a night. It's after 1 a.m. already. So, ooh, baby. I think I'm going to try to get some sleep. So, remember this podcast. It only ends one way, my friends. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. <laughs>